Thanks to you, our listeners, KRBN Internet News Talk Radio is growing and is now available on more stations such as Facebook Video, Player.fm, iTunes, Verbal, and now on Amazon Audible. KRBN Internet News Talk Radio currently does not receive any funding to bring you these programs. However, we do ask that you hit that like button and tell your friends to help this station grow. And thank you again for your support. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bosevich. And now, here's Jay. And welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon, where it is a sunny 80 degrees about and just gorgeous. One of those, you know, totally blue skies, not a cloud in the sky. After being 96 yesterday, I'm a happy camper. And if you're watching Facebook Live, you will see I am wearing a very old T-shirt. This T-shirt is 20 years old. It's from the very first campaign I ever ran for elective office. And when you have leftover campaign shirts, they become yard work shirts because they're white. And in the sun, they're not as hot. Um, but, you know, this is the only elected campaign I lost. I ran as a libertarian for state representative in House District 13, but I did set a record for the highest percentage any libertarian candidate has ever gotten in the state of Oregon at 27% of the vote. Woo! <laughs> Realized shortly after that we are a two-party system, changed my party, Ran for LCC, won that election, and it's all history. I'm four out of five uh, if you count the state rep run. So haven't lost since then. But we're not here to talk about the past and all that stuff. We're here to talk about what's been going on this week and um, not and what may be going on next week and some other things in the news. And the board, you know, got to talk about psilocybin and Measure 109 implementation yesterday. And we also got an update on communicable diseases uh, prior to hosting the world here uh, over the next couple of weeks. So we got to talk about magic mushrooms and monkeypox. Uh, yes. And it was fascinating because, you know, we had uh, probably the largest number of people in public comment in quite a long time. And it was a bunch of folks supporting us um, moving ahead with, Measure 109 without blocking any sort of, um, uh, in, you know, folks doing this. And, you know, we heard from a bunch of people that apparently run uh, psychedelic retreats in Jamaica, where it's the only place it's legal to utilize um, psilocybin. Um, but, it, you know, we heard from some counselors and medical professionals that are connected with the company that um, works with them about the um, medicinal benefits, particularly to people suffering from depression and also people that are close to end of life and the anxieties that come with that, terminal cancer patients, 
and how it helps them deal with that issue and the PTSD involved. Um, so it was kind of interesting, but yeah, it's also kind of, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> what was it, why it came before the board is if the board wanted to block having psilocybin, um, you know, being produced or used clinics here in uh, unincorporated Lane County, we could put a measure on the November general election and ask the voters a yes, no question on that of, of whether you wanted to block that or not. But the original measure 109 passed by 20 percentage points in Lane County. And in my district, it actually passed by a few points, but most of the precincts supported it. I mean, after all, you gotta remember, we have Deadwood and the Country Fair in my district. Uh, yeah, we were all kind of humming that in, the, in our heads yesterday as we were doing dealing with this board. But the board chose not to put anything on the ballot because the voters have already spoken, and we're not going to ask them a second time. And it also eats up a lot of staff time and resources to put something and run you know, on the ballot like that. So uh, we got better things to do with that money, like you know, keep a, another deputy on the road or something, you know. So, um, yes, there might be some psilocybin clinics or something out there uh, or some manufacturing facilities in Lane County. Um, and that's, you know, not a bad thing. You know, you know, I, I mentioned at the top of the show that this T-shirt I'm wearing, if you're watching on Facebook Live, comes from when I ran for state representative as a libertarian. And as a libertarian, I believe you should have the choice of what kind of medicine you want to use, whether you want to use marijuana as a medicine or psilocybin as a medicine, or, you know, whether you want to go to a chiropractor or a traditional Western MD. It should be your choice. You know, you hear a lot of people about this kind of my body, my choice thing, uh, I, you know, how you choose to get your medicine should be your own personal decision, and the government shouldn't restrict that. You know, I am always for maximizing freedom and liberty. So I didn't think it was worth putting that on the ballot, and I don't think it's going to be a major issue uh, for the residents of Lane County, because after all, I'm pretty sure that, you know, psilocybin doesn't quite put out the odor that that cannabis puts out right before harvest. <laughs> um, yeah, we had neighbors have to deal with that. Uh, so that was kind of an interesting sidetrack, you know, talking about that. And then we got updates on the COVID pandemic and also monkeypox uh, and talked about a few other issues around contagious diseases leading up to the, the World Athletic Games here in Eugene and, you know, the tens of thousands of extra people that are going to be coming to town from all over the world. Uh, and, you know, the unfortunate news on the COVID side is we're in a slow build sort of of um, another peak, it looks like, uh, just by the trending of case counts. And we're also um, 
with a lot of people home testing or and the and the lower severity uh, of the the disease due to either vaccination or previous exposures of some people, probably really underreported. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a good idea. You know, like I said, my wife and I had COVID, you know, recently. It wasn't fun. <laughs> you know, I, I, it was a very bad head cold for me for over a week um, with a sore throat. Uh, incredible headaches at times uh, for me, uh, and I, I had the less, the, probably a lower intensity COVID. And uh, Elizabeth uh, got it into her chest, and at one point she coughed so hard she pulled, um, did some kind of soft tissue damage in her in her rib cage, um, so that any other coughing she did was extremely painful. And even after she recovered from the COVID. She still had back and rib problems for like another week or so. So it's not fun. <laughs> and we kind of both had mild cases. So if you don't want to get COVID, you might want to think about, you know, keeping your circle small and all that stuff and keeping your distances and, you know, your hand hygiene and other issues. Um, and if you're going to wear a mask, I suggest you wear KN95 mask, properly fitted. You got a beard, it's not going to work very well. You know, you don't see many people that have to wear breathing apparatus have beards. <laughs> There's a reason. I just had to laugh because I saw somebody in the grocery store the other day with a huge bushy full beard and a KN95 kind of crushed up against it like it was doing some kind of good. <laughs> um and the cloth masks are virtually useless. You know, studies have kind of shown that. So, you know, just know that we're, we're in an upward tick. Um, you know, even if you're fully vaxxed and boosted, like Elizabeth and I was, you can still get pretty sick. And basically, it took us away from our work for over a week. Uh, so also remember that if you're one of these people that, you know, has the kind of job where you don't get paid leave, or if you're the kind of person like Elizabeth, who owns her business, and if she ain't working, it ain't, it, you know, her work's not getting done, period. You know, so it all piles up instead. So um, just kind of remember that. Think about it being a week away from work and not being able to get anything done around the house either because you just don't have the energy. So it's not like a vacation. <laughs> um, might want to think about, you know, how close you are with people. But getting on to monkeypox, <coughs> what's interesting about monkeypox is it's not nearly as contagious as COVID. But the way it, it spreads is quite often just from skin to skin contact or skin to cloth to skin contact. Like if you handle the dirty clothes or linens of somebody that had monkeypox and the clothes came in contact with, you know, some of the bursted pox, so to speak, um, and you handle those, you can get monkeypox that way. So, you know, thinking about the world's coming up, um, we're trying to make sure that all of the B&Bs and, and uh, people hosting folks understand that, you know, 
doing the, the linens and stuff in the hotels, that as you're stripping those beds, you probably should be wearing latex gloves, you know, the, the, you know to prevent skin to, to bed sheet contact of people you don't know. <laughs> you don't know where, where they've been. Um, but that's basically one of the major you know, ways it gets transferred um, is that skin-to-skin contact with somebody that's got the pox. Um, there is some ability to get it from very close proximity, but it's not at all like COVID where, you know, it can happen in a you know, few minutes. Um, it takes very close, consistent contact that way. But um, the fortunate thing is it's not, you know, a disease you necessarily die from unless you're immunocompromised. But it's another one that's kind of no fun to have. It sometimes comes along with flu um, symptoms. Sometimes it doesn't. But if you've seen the pictures they were showing us yesterday in the board meeting of what that pox looks like, I mean, these aren't like a little red rash maybe that you get. These are big blisters (laughs) of a pox. It's gross. (laughs) And I imagine it's really uncomfortable. And, and it can take weeks and months to fully recover from the pox. So um, really don't, you know, want to get monkey pox. So just beware of skin-to-skin contact with folks. And uh, if you're hosting folks in for the world, like you're doing an Airbnb with your spare bedroom for some extra cash, just think about, you know, handling that those bed linens, maybe with some gloves on later. But monkeypox is easy to kill. A normal wash cycle, at you know, and and will usually kill it. And a drier cycle definitely kills it. You know, it depends on your water temperature. It's got to get up to a certain temp. You can't be you know, if you do a cold wash. It may not necessarily kill all the monkeypox. Soap might do most of the work. But uh, your dryer definitely kills the monkeypox. So once you've run those sheets, they're okay. But while they're dirty, you might want to think about how you handle it. So uh, we got to hear about, you know, psilocybin. We got to hear about COVID and monkeypox. And, and, you know, I asked a question that was gotten on my radar screen lately because I've seen some uh, social media about this. I've seen some photos of what people believe is a blue-green algae bloom on Fern Ridge Reservoir. And I asked the question, and and I'm waiting to get an answer um, from my uh, public health folks, uh, is, is there one um, on blue-green? You know, is there a uh, bloom on Fern Ridge Reservoir? Because that's probably one of the closest large bodies of water to Eugene. People might be tempted to come out and swim. And, you know, cyanotoxins are really bad. I mean, they are, if you're exposed enough, they do permanent liver damage. And once that kind of liver damage happens, if you can't get a transplant, you're going to die. I mean, it's just, you can't live without your liver. It's one of the most critical organs in the body. Um, and, you know, at least, you know, you've got two kidneys. Sometimes you can deal with one or the other, and you can do dialysis. There is no dialysis for the liver. 
there is no artificial way of doing what the liver does. Um, so um, really concerning. So, um, and uh, hopefully we'll get to hear definitively one way or another. Um, and uh, we'll find out if it's been tested. I'm, I'm trying to read on, I just got an email update from my public health folks while we talk, because I just saw it come up on my screen here. Um, you know, they just, uh, and uh, really just haven't seen um, official testing that confirms it, but they are warning that um, that Fern Ridge is typically considered a water body with a high cyanobacterial abundance. So just kind of be aware of that as you think about swimming. If you do see that heavy scum on the surface, it might not be a good idea to go in the waters. Um, and that goes for some other lakes around here uh, and some rivers like the, the lower Umqua, some of the, the slower moving portions of that river. And I understand they just issued a warning for the D River uh, down in Lincoln City. And if you know what that is, that's just a, a little outlet to a to a coastal lake there. So another place where they get high levels of blue-green algae. So just something to be aware of. And with the you know folks coming from other countries that may not even have heard of blue-green algae and that issue, it might be some. You know, I was suggesting it might be a good idea to. Um, maybe put up some signage or have some educational stuff uh, for folks that are coming out that way. So um, that was kind of our, you know, taking care of Measure 109 and magic mushrooms and, and monkeypox and other contagious diseases yesterday at the board. Um, today was kind of interesting. I got to go down to uh, Florence uh, to the Harbor Vista uh, park, which is uh, one of our RV campgrounds, and it sits above the Saislaw River right before it goes into the Pacific Ocean. And it's got an incredible viewing platform of the mouth of the Saislaw. I mean, you look right out between the jetties from, you know, an elevation of about maybe 50 feet above sea level with unobstructed view of that. It's just, it's pretty incredible. Well, we just our parts department just finished completing it and are putting into service now ready for for taking reservations three cabins at that park you know where there was you know tent camping and full hookup rv camping available there and a day use area now we've got these little cabins that are basically you know queen size bed with a loft with a couple bunk beds and a fold-out couch um, no kitchen or bath facilities you know, because there's a um, full um, showers and, and, and bathrooms that are there for the campground. Um, there is a fire pit and a picnic table outside, but all three of these cabins have a view out to the mouth of the Saislaw, and they rent for like 70 bucks a night. And it's just such a... And the lower levels wheelchair accessible because they have a ramp up to the, the door. 
Also makes it a lot easier to drag your suitcases that have wheels and everything else into them. So um, really cute. The way they're arranged, when you sit up in bed from that queen bed, you're looking out a window straight at the Pacific Ocean out the mouth of the Saiswa. Can't beat the view, and it just adds another element of um, camping. I'm putting that in air quotes. Uh, to our our facilities down there because, you know, I know as I got older, I didn't enjoy sleeping on the ground and crawling around on my knees in a tent as much as I used to. And now I have an RV, you know, and I tow it behind my car. And there's even some folks that may either can't afford an RV and this might be an option for them. Or, you know, maybe they just want to go for a weekend and, you know, buying an RV for a single weekend is kind of silly. Um, it just offers a lot of options. And also for some of the more mobility limited people, um, it offers some options. So um, it just, it adds to our, you know, diversity of, of level of campers uh, that can be at, at that facility. And it's just, you know, also shows that Lane County is continuing to invest our, you know, your tax dollars and, and other tax revenues in west of the tunnel facilities, and particularly in facilities that are going to generate that tourism dollar that is so vital to the coast right now since we shut down. You know, most of the, the timber industry, particularly along the coastline, do the marbled murelet and the spotted owl, and uh, you know, you guys really become dependent on tourism because of that. And the you know the fishing industry isn't what it used to be. So um, trying to do everything we can to help. So you know, we we continue to invest there. You know, we took over the maintenance from uh, Division of State Lands for the North Jetty Park and have kept that a little bit in better shape. Um, hoping to make more improvements to that. And speaking of parks. Next week, we're going to talk about a possible tax levy to support parks. But before I get on to that, I forgot to give everybody the telephone number to call in the show at the beginning of the show, because I was so excited about talking about magic mushrooms and monkeypox, I forgot to give you guys the phone number. It's 646-721-9887. And just press 1, because that raises your hand on the, on the board there um, if you want to talk. Again, 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press 1 because that lets my call screener and producer extraordinaire, Robin, uh, know that you want to talk. Because we do get people like Guy that call in to just listen because uh, they may not be near a computer. Um, and it's easier just to call in with your cell phone and you can be out in your yard maybe enjoying an adult beverage on this beautiful day, staring out over the ocean, you know, in Harbor Vista Park. Uh, you know, don't need an internet connection, don't need a computer, just need your phone to listen. So we are going to be talking more about parks next week. Um, and this is, a, this is a case of the long-term ramifications of the spotted owl and other environmental issues being weaponized to shut down timber harvest on our federal lands. And ultimately, the federal government walking away from their commitment to 
the counties under the ONC Act of 1937, I think, or is it 34? I always get year wrong. Um, and that's the Oregon and California Railroad lands, which were taken from the counties, given to a railroad that um, never really got built and taken back by the federal government from the railroad, given back to the counties and then taken back from the counties by the federal government with the promise that they were going to manage those lands for timber production predominant as the predominant use for the benefit of the counties financially. And the 18 counties that have those lands, Lane County is the second largest owner of those lands, have not gotten diddly from the federal government compared to the historic harvest that is supposed to be harvested from that, which is basically says it's supposed to be sustained yield, which means you can't harvest any more than growing annually. You you can't harvest more than that a year. And we're not anywhere close to that. We're not even close to half of that or a quarter of that in our annual harvest uh, by the federal government right now. And we never really got up to full sustained yield even. But if they were doing that, we'd have plenty of money for our park system. In fact, most of our parks were built with that federal timber money. That's why Lane County has such a great park system. But since we that money got, you know, cut off with the spotted owl and then shut completely, you know, and then it was reduced to just, you know, subsidies, and those subsidy payments have basically almost completely gone away. We just haven't had the money to continue the investments in our parks. So what you see now is that long-term impact of not being able to fully maintain our parks. And we have a deferred maintenance and capital needs in our park system that's somewhere in the range of 25 to $30 million over the next 10 years. That's a lot of money that needs to be spent. Um, and, it, you know, anyone that, you know, in Florence there that's been in the North Jetty Park knows that parking lot needs a lot of work. We also know that it's really hard for anyone that's, that's not young and nimble and has good balance to get between the parking lot and the actual beach because those dunes are up and down and slippy slidey and all that. We're hoping maybe eventually we could build a boardwalk to out there to get it a little bit more accessible to more people. But, you know, and other parks, you know, are Baker Bay Park on, on uh, Cottage Grove Lake uh, is now out of water because, it, you know, the water system failed out there. We've had the water system fail for Richardson Park in recent history. Uh, there's paving issues. There's, you know, irrigation system issues. All over our park system, there's needs for repairs and upgrades and even even reconstructions. You know, I, I, to get to build these three cabins, which they managed to do with $130,000. So that's basically $40,000 a cabin. That was, that's pretty cheap. Um, and uh, they managed to, to kind of scrape that money together from a, a few places. Um, and it took three years for them to kind of do that. And, they, and then about six months of construction and, and 
got those wonderful cabins opened up. But we get to talk next week about the possibility of asking the voters of Lane County to tax themselves to do this work in our parks that should be being paid for by the federal government through timber harvest. Um, so that should be an interesting discussion next week. My greatest concern is people like to vote yes for park stuff. Um, it seems to be the easiest thing to get people to say yes to when it comes to taxes. Um, but I'm concerned that, you know, we get people approved that this year. And then next year when we go out for the jail um, and youth services public safety levy, we'll have used up the goodwill of the voters. And that's a much more critical thing for us to keep going. Without that levy for public safety, our system just get falls apart. We lose our ability to hold people in jail. Uh, we lose our ability to for 24-hour intake of juvenile offenders. It's it's just I mean there's so much that would go with that, and a lot of other systems are dependent on us keeping the systems together that are needed there and we would probably have to rob some of the other parts to keep a little bit of capacity in the jail and and it just it would be very bad for the criminal justice system in lane county if we don't renew the public safety levy so i'll have to be thinking about all of that as we start talking about a possible parks levy do i want to ask the voters and i think you know, if we do decide to put it on the ballot, it would probably be successful because it's not going to be that expensive. It's going to be a small levy. But will that use up some of the goodwill? And are we confident we can pass the public safety levy next year? You know, post the defund the cops movement. I mean, the last time we passed it, we passed it with a higher percent, you know, an amazing percentage, basically three to one, almost 75%. And so I, I, I'm hoping we can re-up the levy again, um, but I'm just concerned it's a different environment, particularly seeing, you know, where people are starting to feel the inflation issues and the interest rate increases. What will it be like next May? You know, what will the economy be like next May when we're asking people to vote to tax themselves? Will it, you know, will we be in another 2009 and and, and in a recession? And will we still be in some kind of stagflation? Right back to the 80s. Yeah. So it'll be, I haven't quite made up my mind what I want to do about this. So, I, you know, give us a call here. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We have a hand up on the board. Hey, Jay, okay, how are you doing? <laughs> Let me, uh... Hey, Jay, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. You got an opinion about the parks levy? Well, I I think there's part of this you're forgetting a little bit here too, partner. So we shut the county down last year, and uh, it's not going to be until next year that you guys realize the loss in revenue from that. 
Um, <laughs> you know, um, taxes are going to be way down. Um, and the counties and the cities and everybody are going to be feeling that pretty hard. I, I understand what you're saying, but the park, believe me, I, I love parks, and I love our parks especially. Um, but you or, well, the county commissioners might find it pretty hard just to maintain the doors open come next year between the recession that's coming, the loss of revenue from the COVID shutdown, um, because the state's going to lose revenue too, and you can bet the state's going to keep funding state issues and stop funding county issues and city issues real quick. It may be all you guys can do to, to keep a few police cars on the road and fill a couple of potholes here and there. Um, that that might, you know, you, you might be asking for a levy just to, like I said, keep the doors open, uh, let alone county and, and everything else. Um, and I, I don't think a lot yeah. of people realize we as a state, county, and the city have lost. Yeah, well, we... That, those losses actually happened in 2020 and, and maybe early 21, um, and we've already seen those um, revenue shortfalls. And the Inflation Creating American Rescue Plan reimbursed us for a lot of those lost revenues, and it, and it also reimbursed the states. And that's you know that's one of the reasons why you're seeing the inflation rates was the amount of money it took to pump into those. Because we, you know, one of the things that funds our parks is our car rental tax receipts um, for the cars that are rented here in Lane County. Um, and that went, you know, almost to nothing for a while during the COVID shutdowns and the, and the lack of travel. But that happened in 2020. And, and we're really, we actually have seen a recovery of those receipts um, and some of the other um you know, the RV registrations went, actually went up during COVID because <laughs> people turned to buying RVs instead of flying in airplanes. Uh, so we're not going to see necessarily the, the drop in tax revenues from local taxes. What we're going to see is the lack of the federal money that came in and replaced that and then some. They actually, you know, we got revenue replacement for COVID, but they also gave us a whole bunch of extra money for projects. And and I've kind of given our board a warning. I said, you know, it's not this year, and it may not even be next year, but two budgets from now, you all are going to be looking at something like we saw in 2011 and 12, where you're making real dollar cuts to this county budget. So you have to think very carefully about starting new programs and and doing things that are outside the normal scope of county government. You know, and and you know, it kind of falls on deaf ears. We're still got a climate action plan going on and a lot of other um, initiatives that just don't seem to be something that was original core county government services. Um, and I and there's going, you're right, there will be a comeuppance. It may not, it's not due to the COVID revenue. It's due to, to the drop off in the federal funds uh, that were passed uh, recently under the Biden administration. Okay, well, I, I just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, that up. Um, I don't know. I, 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 
But yeah, uh, yeah, I figured we were we'd be looking at something on a shortfall there. And I remember in 2008 when a lot of counties all over the country, not just in Oregon, uh, just didn't have money to, to operate. Period. I mean, you know, you, you couldn't even get things registered or, or plans approved or anything uh, because they were basically shut down. And it might be might be a prudent time to plan for that if you yeah. do have money. Yep. Yeah. And, we uh, I, don't, be I don't think your tax base is going to have much. Yeah, yeah. Should be trying to put money in reserves, but unfortunately, one of the things that ARPA restrictions has is you can't replace, you can't either put it in reserves or replace reserves with ARPA money. Yeah, it's going to be uh, two or three years from now, it's going to be a very interesting time uh, for local government and and state governments. Yeah, and particularly states that haven't been wise with their finances. I agree. Well, so, I'll, I'll, I'll just bring that up. All right. Well, I'll let I'll let you keep listening here, and uh, we'll just punch it up if you want to jump back in, guy. Will do. See, it's just as easy as that. Guy was listening, and he punched one on his on his thing and raised his hand and and we brought him in on the show um that's uh all it takes to get in on the bo's nose show six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven and press one that raises your little hand on our board um which is a toggle so if you press one again it'll take your hand down <laughs> so gotta gotta you know only press it once Kind of like that mute unmute button on 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 uh, you know go to meeting stuff. <laughs> Only press it once. Uh, so you know we have the park decision coming up, and you know I wanted to, to bring up a couple other quick issues before I, I run out of time here on the Bose Nose Show. One is we got word back um, the board voted. 4-1 against me uh, to authorize selling bonds if we got a rate less than 4.5% to um, generate money to invest in the PERS investment fund, which is the only place the state allows us to do that, and basically take an arbitrage position, which is a gambling thing, and it's normally illegal where you borrow money to invest it based on the fact that you think you can get a higher rate of return from your investments than the rate of interest you're paying. And 4.5% on the report we got, you know, was a risk, was just at the risk level, basically. 5%, that, you know, no justification. We got a rate of 4.43%, almost right at the four and a half. And we sold $286 million of bonds. That's your tax dollars Lane County's gambling with. Um, and we're now going to invest that in the PERS fund and hope that we get a higher rate of return over the next 20 years than 4.43%. And in particular, 
what's critical about these kind of things is you have to get make sure that that starts almost from the beginning. Because if you have a loss in the first couple years or lower rate of return than 4.43, it's very difficult to recover those losses later. And I frankly look at, you know, just like Guy and I were talking about, there's bad times coming. You can't pump the amount of money they put into the economy without creating the inflation they created. And in order to fix that inflation they created, they are going to have to push this this country into recession. In fact, it's already had one quarter of negative growth. I wouldn't be surprised if we have a follow-up, which is the definition of a recession is two quarters of negative growth. Um, I, I, I'm concerned it's going to be worse than that because there's just so many um, headwinds to the economy blowing. Um, the international tensions from the Ukraine and, and Russia, uh, you know, other issues uh, around, you know, some funky stuff that China's doing financially, um, you know, the, the threat of the U.S. dollar, you know, being usurped as the international currency, exchange currency. Um, there's just some scary stuff. Interest rates may continue to climb. Uh, in order to try and control inflation, you know, who knows what the next variant of COVID, you know, and what government reactions to that are. Um, it, it to gamble that much money on the taxpayer's behalf, I think was unwise. That's why I voted against it. But only time will tell who's right, whose crystal ball was better. But frankly, you know, if if we do beat the 4.43 by a significant amount, we'll be saving the taxpayers' money, and we'll all and everybody can pat themselves on the back. But I am just really greatly concerned we're running into a, a period where you won't get 4.43 on your money. I, you know, far as I know, I've lost over 16% on my stock, you know, market investments over the first part of this year. Pretty hard to make that back up to 4.43% over the next several years. Got to make up the 16% and then the 4%. That's 20% returns over the next year or two. Think that's going to happen? What if that continues and those PERS investments fall? You know, if they have a negative return, it's just, uh, it'd be because you know, we're we're locked into paying the 4.43. We've sold those bonds and we've made that promise. So, something for folks to keep an eye on is what the PERS funds rate of return. You know the the public the public pool that's available to you know where. Um, Local governments and districts are allowed to invest um, excess reserves and other money. Uh, that's the only place they're legally allowed to invest it in the state um, and see what the return is there. So it'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, but we won't know for two, three years how they're doing, and um, we'll see. Just wanted you to know. 
And then, of course, I think we've talked about this before, maybe about two years ago, because it hasn't really raised its, its head in a long time. But remember at one point, people were talking about changing the name of Lane County because nobody likes Joseph Lane, the person that we're named after. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of reasons not to like him. But, you know, I always thought the better idea was to, quote, change lanes and name us after somebody else with the last name of Lane or the first name of Lane even. Um, <laughs> and just say, you know, Lane County is now in honor of this person and not Joseph Lane. Um, in fact, his, I think it's his grandson um, was a um, uh, U.S. representative, I think, and, and somebody that supported women's suffrage and, and was actually a very good person. His wife was very active. Um, so there's other lanes we could, we, you know, multiple different lanes we could uh, honor that have been, you know, have a good history, even some uh, people of color. So there's there's different things we could do there um, on Lane County. But I saw a press release come out from some group, some archaeological something or other group that wants to name Lane County Calyapua County. Now, mind you, the reason people don't like Joseph Lane was because he had a slave, a slave that was given to him by an Indian tribe. And by the way, most of the Northwest Indian tribes kept slaves beyond the point when it was illegal under the 13th Amendment in the United States. It was kind of part of their culture to take slaves from other tribes. And then they use them as chattel, which is kind of what they did when they gifted the slave to Joseph Lane. Um, you know, it kind of seems strange to switch from one slaveholder to another slaveholding tribe. You know, yes, this is their, their, their traditional lands. Um, you know, we've talked in the past about how the the lands have changed over time as, as, uh, as you look at the um, anthropology of the area and how things have, have changed. Uh, there was multiple migrations into North America from Asia by various routes. And, you know, the Calipu may have been who was here when the first migration of white people came. Uh, but they weren't the first people in Oregon. Um, the other other um, groups of, of various indigenous peoples have occupied Oregon over the century, over the e eons. Uh, so, um, so that's kind of a, to me, sort of not the best argument. But probably the the, easy, the thing that really is, you know, got me. To changing lanes versus Calipua County is can you just think about how many signs have Lane County on them? The signage for directional to Harbor Vista Park, Lane County Park, and an arrow. 
you know, Lane County Park, quarter mile on the left. At the intersection, there's a sign. You know, Lane County Parks is all over the park. So if you switch that to Calipula County, you've got to change all those signs. Now, mind you, the park rangers that patrol that area all have uniforms that say Lane County on them. All the uniforms have got to get changed for them, for the county sheriff's department, for anyone that wears gear that says Lane County on it. You know, that includes, you know, our truck drivers in, in our roads division to, um, you know, folks that are, are uh, you know, dealing with the public in other ways that have Lane County logoed um, clothing. All the vehicles that are labeled as Lane County, sheriff's cars, dump trucks, you know, park rangers, pickup trucks, all that stuff, all got to get changed. All the letterheads, business cards, building identifications. I mean, Lane County Public Service Building. How many places around there is Lane County on that building? Um, you know, that's just it, it, it. Changing the actual name of the county would really an incredible amount of cost for the taxpayers. Now, going through some kind of official process to re-designate which lane we're named after, zero cost. And it, you know, gets away from supporting the former vice presidential candidate for the Confederacy, Joseph Lane, just supporting some other lane that is worth honoring. And it doesn't cost the taxpayers a dime. Like I said, we're not exactly flush with money. You know, while we're sitting here thinking about how the heck are we going to keep our parks repaired, how we're going to keep our jail open, and you heard guy and I's conversation two or three years down the road, it's going to get worse for Lane County as far as finances go. Now we're going to add in probably millions of dollars worth of cost to change the name of Lane County from somebody we didn't like because he had a slave and was part of the Confederacy to a tribe that traditionally held slaves? <laughs> okay, I, I'm confused. Robin's dying to get in on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got a question. Sure. A lot of people surveyed don't even know who the vice president is. How many people actually know what Lane County is named after? Uh, enough of the act of the woke advocates to cause a problem. Most people don't know. Most people probably think it's just Lane. As they don't even know that there's a person named Lane. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, how many people knew it was Joseph Lane and then even knew anything about the man that was Joseph Lane? Exactly. Yep. I, you know, I, I would have 
you know, is there a Benton that Benton County is named after? I have no idea. Or a Lynn that Lynn County is named after? I have no idea. I think if you're going to change the name, you should change it to something that nobody can pronounce. Calliopua? Uh, well, you call it Willamette County, and most people see, you know, if you're not from the area, everyone would think we were Willamette County. Uh, too bad Yahats is in Lincoln County, because we could name it Yahats County, and then we could really have some fun. Ah, <laughs> <coughs> uh, yes. So... Yeah, that's going to be, it looks like they're getting ready to make a big push about it. I guess probably, I I, I just want to, you're probably going to see other things like this come up over the next several months, because I believe that the folks that are, you know, those progressive woke people that worry about things like this are realizing they're going to lose control of the governments. And in particular, they're probably going to lose control of the Lane County majority in November. They already lost Joe Bernie. And they're probably, you know, the person that's probably going to replace me is Ryan Seneca. And I think some of the folks are going, oh, we got to get, we got to get this done before we lose the people that will vote yes on it. You know, at least refer it out to the voters because to redesignate who we're named after, because there is no real official thing in our charter that references Joseph Lane, doesn't take a vote of the people or anything. It just takes a, a ceremony, basically. Might be nice to have a vote of the people just to affirm it. You know, a, a advisory question on the ballot: Do you want to rename Lane County? You know, for this person. But if we change to Calipula County. We have to amend the charter because the charter specifically titles the county as Lane County. So that's going to take a full vote of the people, election cost, all that good stuff. And, um, you know, it would take the board referring that or an initiative petition to do it. And I think what these people want is the current board majority to refer it to the ballot, as my guess is what they're going to push for. And you may see other requests to put things on the ballot for the current majority that are that progressive, liberal, woke side of the aisle stuff, because next year it may not be so easy for them. And they might actually have to go around and collect signatures to get stuff on the ballot. So. Just keep an eye out for that. Just like, you know, three years from now, somebody needs to ask the question about what the rate of return was on the PERS fund. You know, was it greater than 4.43%? Watch this fall. You know, in September and October, watch what our Board of Commissioners is starting to discuss about putting on the ballot next year. Because once they voted to put something on the ballot, it's, you know, pretty difficult to you know, once the process is in process for the new board to pull it off. So, yeah, so beware, 
Hang on to your wallets. Keep an eye on your liberties. And uh, stay safe out there. Remember that COVID is spreading again. Yes, it's not as severe, mostly due to the level of vaccination and boosters and, and other natural immunities that, that are out there. Um, but it's still not fun. Had it, can testify. And uh, so don't laugh when you see somebody wearing a mask now. You know, they may just be somebody that has compromised immune system or is taking a drug to control an autoimmune disease that leaves them um, vulnerable. Or it might be somebody that has diabetic and you don't, you can't see that. Yeah. Or has some other, you know, issue. Maybe they've got a very close relative that's living with them that's in their 90s and is health compromised and they can't bring it home because they're they're not incumbent. What's that, Robin? (laughs) Or they work for a nonprofit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they can't afford to get sick. (laughs) So. Yeah, then, well, they work for a nonprofit, and the nonprofit's making them wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, there's some employers that are reinstituting masking. Uh, Lane County is currently asking for people to voluntarily mask up. Um, but I would add the caveat to that is if you're going to mask up, wear them properly. Over your mouth and not your nose doesn't do any good. If you've got facial hair, either you need to get a proper mask that Covers, you know, if you've got a stash, it's got to be big enough to you know, totally enclose your stash. If you've got a full beard on the cheeks, uh, you might want to think about shaving because <laughs> it's probably not doing a lot of good with a beard. Um, and think about a, a high-quality um, KN95 mask because um, uh, cloth masks just aren't really cutting it. They're not really doing the job. Particle size is too small for the the mask to stop. So with that, I'm going to say good night, and uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Bo's Nose Show. We'll be talking about whatever we decided about the parks levy. We'll update you on that. I'm sure there'll be more to come. The worlds will have started, uh, and... uh, There'll be all sorts of news out there. So we'll be back next week coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Have a great week.